0: As I was studying, um, I was thinking about how um, you, you need you need two things really to build a thriving organization or uh, for that matter, a thriving church. We're in church. And uh, number one, if you're taking notes, it won't come on the screen. But I was thinking about this idea of number one, healthy leadership is uh, vital for any uh, organization um, Healthy leadership is important. And then number two is strong finances. Strong finances. And so maybe you've invited some friends uh, first time, or well, have you like, Pastor, come on, we go, we go, we go do this this Sunday. And I just want to let you know that, um, you know, the church is fine. Um, uh, we, we are going to talk about the tithe today. The church is doing great. We're in black, we're in the black in all of our accounts. And, uh, we're not losing sleep at night, and um, we owe nobody, so no debts. So I don't want anything from you. I just I want you to open your heart and, and to learn what the Word of God has to say about um, the finances that He's given you to steward. And um, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. And so, um, but healthy leadership and strong finances. And so we defined an excellent church as this. Go ahead and write this down. An excellent church is built by believers, here it is, who pursue excellence in every area of their lives. An excellent church is built by believers who pursue excellence in every area of every area. I mean, your home life and, yeah. and work. Um, I even think you got to put some effort into your walk with Jesus, yes. um, you know, yeah. Christ, Jesus said that it is finished when he he took that last breath and he gave his spirit to the father. Um, He finished the work of forgiving our sins on the cross. And then he gave us the gift of his Holy Spirit in our heart. But I even think you got to do some work to grow in your faith. Like um, reading this book right now called the 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth by John Maxwell and the first law of growth is that you can't expect growth to just happen. Like you have to be intentional about growth. And so I like to think that um, we have the potential to be excellent, but we got to initiate that in our faith and as well excellence in our finances. Someone say finances. Finances. And um, the current reality is this, though. It's that um, these stats kind of broke my heart, but um, as of uh, 2022, uh, 73% of Americans say that the number one uh, stressor, stressor in their life is finances. 73%. That's almost three in every four people you walk by or you interact with. 70% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. And granted, I know we're in a season of inflation, and I call it inflaming. Um, sorry, that's a. you got to go listen to all of our messages. You'll find the the source of that. But yeah, um, I know we're dealing with inflation and crazy gas prices and all that stuff. So things are tight for a lot of people. 60% of Americans, here it is, can't cover a $1,000 emergency. So 60% majority of Americans um, been there before. Um, And this this one really gets to you. Uh, It's the number one cause of divorce. It's not adultery. It's not abuse. It's financial issues. But what we see today is a stark contrast from what the Bible, the picture of the Bible paints about your finances. And it paints a picture of, of peace, where you're not worried. Um, it paints a picture of margin, where you're not losing sleep at night, and, and uh, you can plan for things and plan them with confidence. It paints a picture of, of uh, generosity, um, Paul says where you have the finances to give, you know, whenever the Lord puts it on your heart. And as you give, Paul says that God provides seed to the sower. So as you give, God gives. As you give, God gives. But whenever you keep it, God can't give because your fist is closed. And so it, it's, it paints a picture of abundance. Um, and I don't know where this idea that a lot of people say that Jesus was poor. I don't know where we get. He created the universe. I don't know where we. I don't have a church today. I don't have a church. Paul even says Jesus was rich, but he became poor for your sake. He owns everything. Right. Right. And then, you know, he was hanging on the cross and they're gambling for his clothes. So what do you have on that? People are gambling for. Louis can't make it. Chanel can't make it. Coach can't make it. You know, so I'm just saying this idea that Christ was poor. I think it keeps Christians in a poverty mentality. It keeps us out of an abundance mentality. And truth of the matter is we need finances to do anything significant for God. So um, I've once heard a preacher say, like, only the devil likes broke churches. And I'm like, Whoa wow, well, we, we got, we got some, some work to do. And so we, we want our lives and our homes and our churches to be strong financially. And so um, we, we need to learn how to manage finances God's way. And, and so I, I want to give you a, a little, um, a little uh, Bible history of, of just the, the place of worship and how God provided for the place of worship to be a place of excellence. It wasn't dilapidated. It wasn't torn down. It didn't lack resource at first, but it was a place where people would come to experience the presence of God and have great community and there was no need. And so I want to give you a little Bible history. Um, King David, here it is. he, He lived a thousand years before Christ. He wanted to build the temple. So this was the place of worship uh, in Jerusalem, he wanted to build a temple. This, this was a place where the presence of God would visit the people. Right. People would come to worship God. And he said this in first Chronicles 22. I love the message translation it says that David was thinking, my son, Solomon is too young to plan ahead for this, but the sanctuary, watch this, that is to be built for God has to be the greatest. Yes, so is that good? It has to be the greatest. It can't lack. Watch this. The talk of all the nations. So I'll get the construction materials together. I love his heart for the house of God. I I love his heart. That's why David prepared this huge stock of building materials before he died. Then he called in Solomon, his son, here it is, and commanded him to build a sanctuary for the God of Israel. So King Solomon comes up and he actually builds the temple. He builds the temple, and, and, and it is, it's unlike any other place in the world. He builds his palace, and Queen Sheba comes to visit, and, and, and she's impressed by everything. She said, everything I heard about um, um, this place far exceeds my expectations. It is amazing. Your wisdom far exceeds my expectations. And, and so we're going to talk about Queen Sheba and Solomon's interaction with her next week. But Solomon builds the temple, and then Solomon does this crazy thing where he marries 700 women, and he ha, <laughs> and he has 300 concubines. And he did he does a lot of this for political gain and, and all these things, you know, alliances and all this. And and uh, that's a whole different message on relationships, but <laughs> one person is enough. <laughs> One is enough. I don't see how you keep 700 satisfied, brother. (laughs) I love my sisters, but uh, it's tough. And so here it is. So this is to do a little bit more Bible history. God's people begin to turn from God. um, And then eventually they're exiled from Jerusalem because they stopped focusing on the house of God. They started to build their own lives, their own businesses their own homes. They stopped bringing the tithe and the resource to the house of God. And they start putting all of that resource and they became closed handed. And so they, uh, you know, so Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, there's your heart. And so I'll show you what you worship. If you show me your bank statement, you know, and, and so their monies went into that place and their hearts went to that place. And so they were exiled. And then God, God touches uh, a, a king's heart and Nehemiah comes back to Jerusalem right. to build the wall some two to three hundred years after Solomon and then to, to also reestablish the temple. Correct. And, and so they're building the temple. So it was Nehemiah, Ezra. Uh, Zerubbabel, Jeshua, the high priest, they rebuild the temple. God says that the second temple is going to be even more glorious than Solomon's. They rebuild the temple, and then the people turn from God again. As they got comfortable in their faith and in their relationship with the Lord, we seemingly begin to turn from God again. And then God raises up a prophet. His name is Malachi. Someone say Malachi. Malachi. And uh, a lot of people say Malachi if you if you if you're new to your Bible, but it's Malachi and um, he raises up a messenger. And what's interesting is that Malachi is the last of the Old Testament book. He's a minor prophet, um, not because he is minor, but because the scope of his book is small. And what's interesting is that he only writes three chapters. And one of the last things that Malachi talks about. Is bringing the tithe to the house of God. And then watch this. After talking about finances, God shuts his mouth for 400 years. He doesn't talk about a Messiah coming. He talks about finances and judgment. God shuts up until John the Baptist comes. And then John the Baptist paves the way for his younger cousin, Christ. Christ is baptized, and we kind of know the rest from there. We're here because of Christ. But just so interesting how God stops talking and the last thing he says is about taking care of the house of God. And so today we don't, the, uh, the title won't come up, but go ahead and write this down. This is the title of today. Um, God's house first. God's house first. Mm-hmm. And so we'll pick it up in Malachi three. And Malachi says this, or the Lord through Malachi says this. He says, I am the Lord and I, I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. So I'm, I'm faithful, right. but we, we turn and we're inconsistent. God is saying, I'm faithful, right? right? right. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees, that's his word, and felt to obey uh, them. Here it is. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. God is always there, no matter where you are in life, no matter how low you are. You know, how, how defeated you may feel. God, God is saying, it's simple. Just, just turn to me. I'm, I'm always there. And he says this here. But you ask, God is saying, but you ask, how can we return when we've never gone anyway? You know, gone away. Should people cheat God? God says this, yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? Here it is. You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under here is, a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Your whole nation has put me on the back burner. Your whole, you, you guys don't want to hear from me anymore. You you don't want to worship anymore. You definitely don't want to give me your money. So he says, y'all, because of that, you're under a curse. And the word curse here means limitation. Yes, come on. you you can't you can't elevate as a nation as a people. Because you, you have forsaken me. This is what God is saying. He says this, bring all, someone say all. all, all the tithes, not 2%, not a tip, not 4%, bring all the tithes, here it is, into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. Now, the temple can be seen as the Old Testament or pre-Christ church. The place of worship. So bring all the tithes into my house. If you do, here it is, here's the promise. Here it, here it is. Says the Lord of heaven's armies. I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great uh, you won't have enough room to take it in. Put me to the test. This is the only area in scripture, your finances, where God says, test me. And it watch this. It's really not a test for him. Because he's, he's a man of his word and, and the Bible says that he cannot lie. So he's, re- watch this, he's ready to bless you. He's saying, put me to the test. I'm, I'm going to pass it. And it says this here. Uh, 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 your crops will be abundant. That's your paycheck. For I will guard them from insects and disease. I'll guard them from inflation. Your grapes will not fell from, from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations, all people who don't believe in Christ. Watch this. Here it We'll call you blessed for your land, your life, your home, your church. Right. Your city will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Can we put our hands together for the word of God? And so and so let's go ahead and write this down. An excellent church. Second big thought of the series is built by believers who prioritize the house of God financially. Wow. You prioritize it financially. I didn't say it; he did. So you can look at me with the, did we just read it? Am I making this up? All right, cool. We good? Good. All right. Awesome. So this is how as a church, I want to give you an instruction. I want to give you a truth and then I'm going to give you a promise. Okay. An instruction of truth and a promise from the word of God. Number one, if we're going to be an excellent church and if you're a believer, listen, if you're new You're not responsible uh, to to follow this or or, or to obey it or or whatever you want to call it here at this local church. If you have a local church, I want to encourage you to go there. Tithe. Someone say the whole tithe, the whole tithe. Tithing isn't giving three percent to your church and seven to the red cross. All that ten belongs to your church. But if you are a follower of Christ, this is the call of God on your life for your local church. Here's the first instruction. Number one, we need to honor the call to return the tithe. Yes. Keyword: there is return. So, and so this is the way you see it. God says, okay, I'm going to give you your strength. I'm going to give you the mind. I'm going to give you the energy. I'm going to give you the ability to gain wealth. It says in Deuteronomy, I've given you the ability, everything you need to make good grades, to apply for the job, to show up for the interview. I'm going to open the door. I'm going to set you up with people that you don't know. I'm going to put you in positions that you don't deserve. You're not qualified for. I'm going to do all of that. You're going to get that paycheck. And the only thing I want you to give back that belongs to me is the tithe. And so the word tithe, if you're taking notes, means the best portion or first 10th, the best portion or first 10th, first 10th. So the best portion comes from the top. And here it is. The tithe belongs to God. It's his. Um, What's the definition of taking something that's not yours? Stealing. Stealing. So he says in Malachi, you've been robbing me. Matt, you, every, you belong to me, everything on you. But I only, I'm only requiring that you give back a little bit. Some of you are coming from old churches and, 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 and right now what you're saying is, but we're saved by grace. And so the the tithe is uh, old Testament law, right? But the deal is this, is that the principle of tithe was practiced way before Moses. It goes back to Abel. But before Moses was, Moses was in Adam's loins. You know what I mean? Like He wasn't even in the world. And if we're saved by grace, that means we can get more than 10%. Come on. Hello. Hello. Because Jesus gave it all. I've never been more glad. I put my faith in Jesus. Tithing is a test of your faith. Right. And so he says, here it is. Leviticus, 10% of everything you harvest is holy and belongs to me. So here it is. The harvest are the wages that you receive from the work you've done. And, and so in an agricultural, horticultural uh, uh, um, society, you know, harvest. But for us, it's our paycheck. And so it's 10% of everything belongs to God. And like I said, it spans human history. Abel, the Bible says brought his best to God. The Bible says that Cain brought some. So, so some people bring their first to God. Others will come to church and say, well, if I can afford to give. And so they slip them a three. You know, you got a job that pays you $3,000 every other week, but you put $3 in the plate. That's Cain's spirit. The Bible, if you go back in Genesis and read it way before Moses, Abel had this wherewithal to say, oh, man, that, that's that's my best portion. I bring it to God. And the Bible says that God was pleased. God favored Abel. He didn't favor Cain. And so the first murder comes from a stingy person, wow. a greedy. Wow. Why is he so blessed? Well, because he puts, God's first, he puts God first. Right. And, and so then you got Abraham, Abraham before Moses. He gives a tithe to Melchizedek. We believe that Melchizedek may have been Christ pre-incarnate, right? The Bible says that um, um, he gave a tithe. So you give a tithe to someone who's greater than you. Even though Abraham is the father of our faith, Melchizedek was greater than Abraham. And so he gave 10% to him. And we don't know where Melchizedek came from. He has no beginning or no end. And so, um, and then Moses, and then Jesus himself, even um, um, he talked about the tithe. He said in Matthew 23, 23, go ahead and pull that up. You should tithe. Jesus said you should tithe. Right? And, and so we, we got to, someone say, bring all, the tithe. bring all the tithe. I got about 50%. That, that, that brings in my next point when I was studying for this message. Um, research confirms that um, 5% of American Christians. Tithe. Yeah. Wow. 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 Percent. Oh. Mm-hmm. 5%. And, and out of the 5% Trevor. That tithe. 80% of them give only 2%. So 80% don't even give 10. So the other 20% give the whole tithe. Very. Micro. And and then um, this is crazy. Um, oh man, what was that stat? It was oh, American Christians um, own half of the world's wealth. American Christians own half of the world's wealth, but only five percent tithe. Wow. And so when we look to the government. When you're looking to your kings and your princes and your senators to solve these issues, God didn't give them governments, the platform to kill world hunger and all these. He gave the church. He gave the church. But, you know, and I get, maybe God is doing this because a lot of us are about to go in a lot of credit card debt for vacation. Before you do that, Before you do it, put God first. Y'all here? Can we put our hands together for that? All right. Number two, the tithe strengthens your local church. Okay, so here it is. There there are three reasons I want to share this with you. I personally tithe, and, and maybe you can register. Number one, three reasons I tithe. Jesus changed my life 16 years ago. Watch this. Number two, I have a relationship with God. And number three, when I die, which I won't, I'm going to heaven. I'm just transitioning. Those are the three most important things about your life. Jesus changed your life. You have a relationship with God and you're going to heaven. And so now the reason we've tithed for nine years as a married couple is because we want to partner with God. We want to partner with God so that others would have that same experience, right? And so God said that there will be food in my house. Someone say food. Food. All right, and there's number one, there's spiritual food. When you tithe, you're providing spiritual food, right? Which is encouragement and and, and an atmosphere of prayer and strength. So a lot of you would, you know, we, we were just, man, worship was so so amazing omg it was so amazing and so on the way to church today my wife was saying how the worship team was so excited and i'm like for what it's another sunday right i mean i get it right it's church but she was saying because babe they have wireless mics and then they they love them so much i can't even find them they hot them and like, past ain't going to break it. I don't want them to. But guess what? No money. No mics. Oh, I'm talking too real today. No money. No mics. You know, they used to be constrained behind these wires. I never be. More. It was dancing today, boy. And that was like, and now. Uh, Yo. yeah, yeah, no money, no mics. That junk, you know, it affects the quality. Can I talk real? We over spiritualize the tithe. No money, no curriculum, no, no money, no cold air, no money, no baptisms, no money, no food, no food, no prayer, no strength, nowhere to meet. Like when we came into this place, oh my God. no money. You don't renovate it. God is saying that there will be food. It shouldn't be. David said it it needs to be the greatest place, the greatest place. And I do think that God has a problem with churches that don't look good in the physical, physical food. Going to write this down. They're not clean. They're not equipped. They're not resourced. And we all got to start somewhere. I get it. Like we, we started in a living room in Florida, but we were tithing. We, we, we were tithing. We, we put that tithe and then God brought us over to Boer Park. And then he, he put us in Shady Grove middle school and, and, and we were at the youth center we had our first supercepts almost 6 years ago at the youth center down the street and we had to pay that that bill and 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 and, and uh, we had crates and we had a mat per kid and 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 we had u-haul truck and we had uh, road cases and and as as the money has increased we've been able to 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 clean this place up and to equip it and and to resource it and and to buy bibles and to buy food and to feed our neighbors and now we're going on a mission trip now you know now we're sending our youth to memphis and that there will be food in my house food in my house i love the heart of david you got to read david david said how can i live in such luxury when the house of god is a tent outside he said that he said i used to be a shepherd now look at my palace. Read it. It's in Samuel. He says, and then he looks out, you know, he was in his front yard. He sees the tabernacle. It was portable church. The presence of God dwelt in a tent. He would come down in a tent. And David said, how, how can I be so blessed by God? But his house is dilapidated. So God said, bring the whole time, the whole 10%. I was thinking about how Jesus and his disciples at one point, watch this, represented the church. So I'm going to say the church. Because the church isn't about the building, it's about the people. And the word there means called out ones who gather in the name of Christ. We are the church. And how when they were on the earth with Christ, they did three things namely. I'm going to write this down. They taught, they healed. And they developed. Yes. Right. When, when Christ was in the world, he taught about the kingdom of God, right? Um, how, how to live a blessed life, right? How to forgive and all these great things about the kingdom that people had never heard of in, in history. Like, where's this man come from? Right? He's, it. man, and people loved listening to Jesus. So he taught, he, he taught about how to get to God, which was through him, how to have a relationship with God. He, he healed The Bible says every manner of disease. So he was restoring lives. He was restoring faith in God. He was he was causing people to dream again, have a vision for their lives. He was he was healing lives. He was healing homes. He was he was. And then he developed. He was pulling the potential out of his followers and he wouldn't allow them to become comfortable. So when Christ was in the world, they got the whole package. They were taught, they were healed and they were growing. Right. And the disciples were doing all that, too. And and the the deal was, was that they were able to fully focus on just that. Watch this. So they were the church. And so are we. Let's go over to Luke eight, one through three. Luke is a physician. And and maybe he got these accounts based on those that he interviewed. Right. Um, um, He wasn't an original follower of Christ. But men also gave, but, but watch this, what it says about the women who were disciples, who were also the church, right? Because when you're a disciple, you're, a church, you're, you're the church. But it says this, soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of, of, of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. Here it is. He took his 12 disciples with him. Right. Along with some women who watch this, who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. So their lives were changed. Their souls were saved. God had turned their lives around. Right. And so he's traveling with these new disciples, people that he changed. Watch this. It says this here. Among them were Mary Magdalene. Watch this. From whom he had cast out seven demons. So she was strung out. She was drunk. She was sleeping around. She had a crazy, but God casted them demons out and she was cleaned up and, and she could see clear. Watch this. Here it is. Hold on. Hold on. Joanna, the wife of Chuza. Watch this. Herod's business manager. That's the king's that's the king's manager who oversaw all the finances. Watch this. Susanna and many other who were contributing from their own resources. Watch this to support Jesus and his disciples who were what? The church. So the disciples didn't have to worry about getting an 8 to 5. They were so well the church was so well resourced that they could focus on Teaching, healing, and developing. So go ahead and write this down. When the church is financially strong, it can focus on teaching, healing, and developing. Is it in the text? And those that were supporting the church the most were those who were changed by the church. If we don't do it, who will? The world's not going to. The world's too busy kicking Jesus out of everything. They don't want to give the kingdom anything. And, and I, I, can, I can relate to Mary. God, God took me out of the bed of fornication. Jesus took me out of the darkness of depression. He, he took the alcohol bottle out of my mouth. He, he took me out of a dark mentality. So, so if he saved me, I got to turn around and like, the least he deserves is the tithe. Come on, church. Y'all, y'all here? The least he deserves is what belongs to him. Number three. Okay, man, I got a minute, 20 seconds. Sorry. The promise. The tithe breaks the curse. The tithe breaks the curse. He said, You're under a curse, you're under a limitation. Some of us, let me encourage you here. A lot of the financial woes you're experiencing, if you recognize, you need to really lean into this. If you recognize they're seasonal. And they're, they come in cycles. You need to pick up on this this year and then watch next year. Hopefully you tied so that you don't recognize it starting today. But they're cyclical. You, you wonder why there's a revolving debt. Right. You just fixed that in the house. Now there's a car issue. Now there's a medical bill. When you just put that one hundred dollars in your savings. Now you got to take it out. It's cyclic. Right. Because you're under a curse if you're not bringing the whole tithe. Right. Maybe maybe some of you want to do something in your family that. No one in your family has never done financially and you're claiming things and you're decreeing it by faith and you believe it and God wants to do it, but you don't see how it can be done. And there's a limitation in your thinking and you just, when you start to tithe, it'll start to, to, to slowly break that ceiling. It's a spiritual financial ceiling that's over your life. He says you're under limitation. Limitation. Um, nine years ago, as a married couple, we committed to tithing. And let me encourage you. Let me put you on this. Things got worse before they got better. And so some of you will tithe, and you'll try for a week or two or three, and you'll still see the, the, the limitation on your life. But you got to keep at it. Jason, come close me out. You got you, you to keep at it, Trevor. You got to keep at it. Let, let you in on a little bit of our journey. Um, we, uh, so you championed this about tithing. I was sporadic, even though I was a more mature Christian, but once you latched onto it, you said, babe, we have to start tithing. We started to tithe and we've committed, um, every year as a married couple to increasing our giving half a percent every year. So right now, Pastor Karen and I, we're around 14, 14 and a half percent we feel it. <laughs> Right? Because the more you make, the more you give. Right? But when we started tithing, um, we got married in November. Six months later, she goes on bed rest, which effectively knocked out 80% of our income. And that's because she was carrying too much fluid with Judah. And so we were tithing, bringing in less than $1,000 a month. We still tithe. Right? After she goes down, we get kicked out of our house. So we have to move back home with um, mama, your mom. I get almost 90 days behind in our car. And the car has a $2,000 issue. I'm bringing in $1,000 a month. So, but we still tithe. Judah was born. We ended up on food stamps, wick. We still tithe. She got back to work, things got a little bit better, right? We tithed. Um, I went back to the hospital, we tithed. We moved here to Maryland, 37%, higher cost of living than Orlando, Florida. God called me not to work while she's being the, the breadwinner. We tithed. We lived in the negative. The first three years of Highlight Church, we could not get out of the negative all the while baptizing people and seeing people overcome addiction, seeing people come to Christ and and just, just, you know, just, but, but just hold on, hold on. Just waiting on the Lord to move, but it's going to get worse before it gets better this is what I want to encourage you with because some of you have tried to tithe but you stopped it but you're still in the cycle and what I've come to find out is that you you got to do the right thing consistently over a long period of time hold on, hold on over a long period of time in order to see the results God says bring all the tithe. Someone say all. all. And and the tithe is not a matter of affordability. It's not. Some people say, well, I, I've heard it 16 years. I can't afford the tithe. You, you, you can't afford, don't clap, please. You can't afford not to. You're under a curse. It's not affordability. It's trust and priority. It, that's why God says it comes first. So I want you to think of tithing in three ways as we close out. Okay, three, three key thoughts. Number one, thinking this way when it comes to giving. Number one, tithing is partnering. Hope to open up our paradigm. It's, it's me coming alongside the kingdom of God to usher heaven into the earth. And when my church is strong and y'all felt this, this worship this morning and this atmosphere, it's, This is the best spot in some of y'all's weeks. When you tithe, you're partnering with God for for people to find true life. Number two, think think about this way tithing is preparing. It is preparing. It's preparing to make a current an impact today, currently. It's preparing. And it's preparing for future blessing. It's preparing. We're preparing our kids to be generous, right? I, I, if they make it to the MLB I, and they get these, I, if we, we don't care what they do, but if they make it, and if our children make twenty-five million a year, Dad will be calling them. They don't have to do attend highlight. Dad will be calling them and saying, "Did you tithe on that check? You just got two hundred grand for a game. Did you send the tithe in?" It's going to be a blessed church. But did you tithe? (laughs) I will, because it's a value and it works. It works. And God wasn't talking to pastors. He was talking to, as a matter of fact, let me put you on something. The reason Moses even instituted the tithe was so that leaders would be well-prepared, well-provided for. God said, "I've I've given you land, I'm going to give you jobs, but the Levites have nothing. They only depend on the tithe because they have to focus on teaching, healing and developing. While you go and change the world, they're going to be here for you. So you want your leaders to be. We're going to we're going to break through all this crap. You want your leaders to be provided for. okay? And then and then number three, tithing is trusting. It's trusting, guys. That's all it is. And it's saying that God is your source. God is your source. Yes. And all followers of Christ should should tithe. It's trusting.